Hello and welcome to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. A new year is just around the corner, so from all of us at Search for Truth Radio, we wish you peace and happiness for 2018. Today the focus of Brian's talk is in the title, Having the Mind and Attitude of Christ. But what better subject to consider in the few talks remaining in this 12-part series called The Mindfulness Jesus Endorses? But what do we mean by having the mind and the attitude of Christ? What kind of Bible study can give us an insight and understanding which can help us be better disciples? Brian begins in Paul's letter to the Philippians, if you want to follow. So let's go to Brian now to find out. Thanks, John. There were a number of reasons for Paul writing his letter to the Church of God at Philippi. It definitely was a matter of concern to Paul that there was a failure on the part of some believers there to pull together as harmoniously as could be desired. He urges them to reach agreement with one another and to pull together in joyful teamwork. Paul's diagnosis was that if each put the interests of others before his or her own interests, if there was a greater willingness to make concessions, then all would be well. He begins chapter 2 by saying, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And it was to reinforce this that Paul quoted some now famous Bible lines which celebrate the humiliation to which Christ voluntarily submitted himself in becoming man and dying on the cross. I say he quotes them, for it's been widely agreed that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, that we find an early Christian hymn fragment or poetic composition, whether it's Paul's own work or someone else's we don't know. But Paul quotes it here to give his call to unity the greatest possible support. So he continues by saying, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." In itself, this passage is a recital of the saving work of God in Christ, in his incarnation, passion and exaltation. But there's a major difference here. What is it, you ask? It's the context in which this is quoted. That's what brings fresh significance to the actions of Christ as they're rehearsed here. Remember, Paul's target here is some measure of disharmony among the Christian believers at Philippi. He'd already confronted disunity at Corinth and dealt with it in the very first chapter of his biblical letter to them. When doing that, he'd also taken them directly to the cross. 
Here again, Paul's spirit-directed instinct is to go to the cross to ground his appeal in the most heartfelt terms. But there's a difference here. Paul introduces this poetic summary by saying, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, the attitude shown by Christ is recommended as an example for his followers. Jesus' attitude is presented as an example of what the Philippians' attitude should be, and they are being encouraged to become like him in his death. This is what Paul meant earlier when asking them, in chapter 1, verse 10, to decide what is best. This is the best mindset to adopt. So here, in Philippians chapter 2, it's not so much the actions of Christ, but the attitude behind them which is the focus. And by God's help, we, as well as they, are to try to copy it. Attitude has always been as important, if not more important to God, than any actions a person may do. God recorded in the Bible books of Chronicles those kings who did the right things, and those kings who not only did the right things, but did them with the right attitude, or with their whole heart. For example, one of those was Amaziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 25. So it's right for us to praise God as much for the wonderful attitude of Christ as it is to praise God for the wonderful actions of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, one commentator paraphrases the opening in this way. He, though existing before the worlds in the form of God, did not treat his equality with God as a prize, as a treasure to be greedily clutched and ostentatiously displayed. On the contrary, he resigned the glories of heaven. And he adds that this is the common and indeed almost universal interpretation of the Greek fathers, who would have the most lively sense of the requirements of the language. Despite having equality with the Father as his eternal right, the Son of God, revealed to us as Jesus, didn't regard equality with God as a vantage point for achieving his personal ambitions. Precisely the opposite, in fact. He actually treated his equality with God as an occasion for renouncing every advantage or privilege to which he was entitled. We can easily think of people we know, either personally or from the pages of history, who've used whatever position of authority they'd been given to selfishly satisfy their own lust for more power, more fame, more wealth, etc., using their privileged status for their own advantage. How different it was with Jesus. He regarded his equality with God as an opportunity not for self-enrichment, but for self-impoverishment and unreserved self-sacrifice. This is so amazing that it's actually confused some into rejecting his equality with God. How tragic, for this should be the very pinnacle of our praise. This isn't the only place where Paul points to Christ's self-denial as being an example for his people. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 is another place where Paul encourages generous giving to the Jerusalem Relief Fund by supplying as an incentive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. There he uses his own language, but here in Philippians chapter 2 he appears to have used a readily available form of words. In a Roman colonial city, 
that resounded to the cry, Caesar is Lord, at all civic events, the Philippian Christians marched to a different drumbeat, one that said, Christ is Lord. By emptying himself, by plumbing the depths of humiliation, Christ has now been honoured by God with the name high over all, the designation Lord in its highest sense. As we think again of how the Lord Jesus Christ regarded his equality with God as an opportunity not for self-enrichment but for self-impoverishment and unreserved self-sacrifice, we learn something of the very essence of the humble mind of Christ. Of course, this extended way back before he became also a man. This is the eternal attitude of the second person of the Trinity and as such true of the divine being. If only we could live in the constant awareness of this and let it moderate our own actions moment by moment, that would indeed be true Christian mindfulness. I'm sure the eleven disciples were always mindful of what they had so tellingly observed in the upper room when the Lord had got up from supper and washed their feet. An unforgettable action. They must have spent their lives reflecting on the immense humility that lay behind it, for some at least had equally witnessed his excellent majesty shining as the sun in its strength. In Kendrick's memorable words, This is our God, the servant king. In the upper room, the Lord had said that what he'd done was to be an example for them. Let's be totally aware the implication for us too is, go and do likewise. Chuck Swindoll writes, Attitude, to me, is more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, than giftedness or skill. We have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. I'm convinced, he says, that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Paul writes, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He always approached people with love, grace, acceptance and a heart to serve rather than be served.
I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk and found it helpful. If you have any comments or questions for Brian, do get in touch. I'll be giving you some addresses in a moment. There's also a transcript book, uh, and it's available free, on request, if you ask for the title, The Mindfulness Jesus Endorses. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio, podcast, or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, then you can browse. The list of previous talks, which you'll see has been sorted into categories to help you find what you're looking for. Brian's talk next week is called Being Mindful of What Ultimately Matters, which should prove a valuable start for 2018. I hope you can join us, but until then, it's very good New Year wish from our Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So bye for now, and may God richly bless you. So let us learn how to serve.